everyone. Welcome back to Around the Table, the podcast for redemption women from Tempe, Arizona. I'm Dina Rogers and so glad to be back with you. After a long break this summer, I'm here at the table with our friend Carrie Vaughn. Hey so, guys. how are you, Carrie? Oh, so good. It's really nice to be back. It is. Yeah. It feels like it's been kind of a funny long season. Right. Right? Yeah, like, I saw a thing the other day that someone said, this has been the longest spring break ever because that's when everything's shut down. I know. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been funny, but so glad to be back. Um, I know a lot of you have kept up with your ID groups because it's been sort of a non-vacation-y, non-traditional season, but we are going to officially be kicking off Redemption Women um, along with um, RCs, Men's and Women's Bible Studies, in a couple weeks from now on August 23rd, so... Welcome back to our official Redemption Women season. Yeah. And we're, so Dino, as a church, we're all going to go through John together on Sunday mornings. Right. And my understanding is the men's and women's Bible studies were also in our C group, RCs, I think. We'll yes. We're going through John as well. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. So we set up, we really wanted to sort of unify our resource and... Um, we've loved having ID groups. We're going to, by the way, shift that name over time to Women's Bible Studies. It's a little more clear, and we just want it to be out there what it is. Men are going to start Bible Studies as well. Um, and RCs are going to be able to use the same resource, although if you're in an RC and an ID group, it'll be different right. because there'll be enough in this resource that each group can choose what they want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to stick with, um, in our ID groups, the deep dive into the study of the passage and look at how, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. We're, we've actually, if I can just yeah. do a quick promo on yeah, the uh, study guide. John says at the end, these things are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. So we set up the study guide to correspond to those three sections. So the first part, these are written. It's the intro, the dive into scripture, the place to ask questions, to imagine yourself in the story. And then the second part each week is sort of like what we used to do as the Bible is a whole story, but that you may believe Jesus is the Christ. So how does Jesus's life connect to the whole story of the Bible? Um, What prophecies maybe point to Jesus? What are the things, what are the, what's the imagery in the Old Testament that Jesus fleshes out? So it's this whole idea of I wrote these things so that you could know in your head who Jesus is and that he really is the son of God. He really is the one we were waiting for. Then the third part every week is, and that believing you might have life in his name. Like, what do we do with all this stuff we're convinced of in our heads? What does it look like in life? And so that's going to be some formational practices that the RCs were more in that sink doing last Mm -hmm. season. Um, so we're doing conversational prayer, which I think will be really fun. And then group discussion questions, time to pray together. So, awesome. yeah, super excited that wow. we're going to all be sort of able to have the conversations with each other and continue conversations, you know, no matter what group of people we're with from Redemption. Right. Oh, it's so good. I, I love it. I love that we're all going to be in sync like that. I think there's a lot of really cool fruits that can come from that. Um, okay, so you told me a few days ago that in your preparation for the journal, you actually had had some things that you wanted to include for maybe first, second, and third John, but there just was not space. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, 
as you're saying that, I'm remembering that the reason Caitlin and I started this podcast mm. years ago, a couple of years ago, was because we were writing a journal and we thought, oh, we can't fit it in there too much. <laughs> and we just had this overflow page and we thought, we have to do a podcast. Right. <laughs> so right. that was that's how we started. Um, but yeah, like what, you know, John, the Apostle John, who we believe is the author of the Gospel of John, is one of the only people in the Bible who we know as a young man living with Jesus and also as this elder, pastor, um, writer of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and even at an older age, um, when he's exiled to a, an island to Patmos because, because of his belief in Jesus, um, receives this revelation from God and writes the book of Revelation. Okay. Like we know him as a kid, but we know that what he learned and knew and experienced with Jesus affected his whole life. Yeah, right, right. And how is he formed? I like I'd I, and we're going to do that a little bit in in the study guide and in our groups. But I'd love for us during the podcast season this season to really press into how is John formed and how can we be formed like that. Yeah, and it's such a unique thing, kind of peek behind the curtain we get, too, because the rest of the disciples, they didn't live as long as John did. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. they were martyred, you know, and so I, I feel like there's a real uniqueness to John's story. Um, looking back in some of the Gospels, John and Peter were the two, first two disciples other than the women that saw the, mm -hmm. that saw the empty tomb. Oh yeah. John and Peter raced to the tomb. <laughs> John made it very clear that, that he was he first. Was, yeah, he was faster. <laughs> but so that I mean, you know, you get these really unique experiences that John had as a young man, and mm -hmm. then you get a real unique look at him as an older man because. From my understanding, he easily could have been in his 80s or 90s. Is that right? Yeah, when, yeah. especially by the time he wrote Revelation. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to see. And, and I think what I love is that this physical life that we read about in the Gospel of John became just as real in a spiritual sense for him. I love that Jesus, before he left, said, Abide in me. Yeah. And that seemed to be a theme throughout John's life. Right. This abiding life. It changed his perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So I as I was reading first John this last week, abide kept coming up. And so I took I think it was a, a pen, you know, a mm -hmm. black pen, a red pen, and I just started underlining the word abide. And I actually started kind of laughing to myself because it came up so many times. <laughs> this I, is in first this first, is in John. first John. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so if if you're reading First John this week, or reading First, Second, Third John, take a pen and just underline it. Or a color that you really like, like a really cute pe yes. colored pencil, because yes. we're going to see it a lot, right? You will see it a lot. <laughs> yes, it happens over and over that. again. Yeah. It was funny. I really did start to laugh because I started thinking, okay, John is um, a, an older gentleman by this point, and so I started thinking of my dad, mm. who is 75, mm -hmm. and. My kids, it's so fun now that my kids are teenagers to watch them interact with my parents. And one of the things my kids will say is, why does grandpa tell the same stories <laughs> over and over again? Yeah. You know, he's got his set stories, whether it be from his time in Vietnam or his time living as a teenager 
roaming the streets of Boston. He's got these set stories yeah. that he tells over and over again. Yeah. And what I, I've come to realize is that these stories were so formative to mm-hmm. him as a child. They really kind of become this these bedrock stories mm-hmm. that made him who he was as a, as a teenager and a young man. And those threads are still there yeah. as an adult. Yeah. And so I... I had this real nostalgic moment, I think, reading First John going, these are the moments, right? These are, he heard Jesus say, abide. Yeah. And that was one of the things that stuck with him. And he knew, this is the thing I want to tell to this next generation of believers. Yeah. I want to make sure we understand these certain bedrock things about Jesus. Yeah. He was so shaped by Jesus. I was reading in John in the gospel of John, when Jesus says, little children love one another. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's where John got it. Right. That's why First John is full of those exact words. Yeah. He learned to imitate not only the, the, the life and the love he saw in Jesus, but even his words, mm-hmm. you know? And I wonder, I mean, I kind of hope that if I'm old and repeating my stories, yeah. they're the stories that John was repeating. Yeah. Yeah. What a great way to grow old. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I think, don't you think, too, I mean, we don't know, right, all of these, these things that we can kind of maybe put into these biblical men and women, but that he knows that he has, you know, he ha- his days are limited at this point in his life. Mm-hmm. And these are the things I really want to make sure I leave with this next group of believers. Yeah. Um, almost, it, it just feels very grandfatherly to me. You know, these are things I want to depart to my children and my grandchildren and make sure that they understand. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. One of the other things I loved in First John, and I love it especially thinking about him from this old man perspective, is that he ends, this is First John, um, let's see, chapter 5, right at the beginning, and he's talking again about loving, and he says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. But I love that his commands aren't burdensome. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you live that long? I, I know for us, uh, for me personally, for Redemption Women, you guys responded to a survey we sent out. Like, what, do you, what are you hoping that we can talk about on the podcast? And you know, this is a heavy season. We're carrying things that we feel like, oh, if only we could get back to normal, it wouldn't be so hard. And I was thinking about how John lived his whole life and kind of ends with this this thought of how following Jesus isn't burdensome, you know? And I've just been thinking, how do we have an unburdened spirit even when our load feels heavy? I, I would love for us to, talk into that during our podcasts during this season because it's hard yeah but how do we reframe how we see ordinary moments and in an abiding life don't carry a burden that we're not called to carry yeah you know what i mean yeah i think one of the things i'm really excited about in studying the book of john with with the church and our groups is that I think we're going to get a really good picture of what his life looked like as an abider. And Mm. I think it's really easy for us as modern people to use this term seasons. 
almost as an excuse to just let's just get through it. Because yeah, there is an other sure. side to it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, and that we kind of we put our hope in the other side. Right, when daycare's open again, or That's when right. we get to go back to church, or whatever the thing is. Yeah, we think we can stick it out right. because there's another side. Yes, but how do we learn to abide in it? Right, and I think it, as that. we see John and you look at his life, he went through some stuff. Right. I mean, all his friends were killed. And the church was being persecuted, and then he is sent off to this island, and so there was... It was a crazy government. They were living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. It wasn't like they were pro-Jesus most of the time, right? Um, There was actually, there were lepers who had to stay outside. There was quarantining. Right. There was contagious quarantining going, contagious disease quarantine going on when John was around. Right. So, and... In the midst of all of that, yeah. he learned how to live this abiding life. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is going to be a really big takeaway for all of us. Because yeah. I know for me, it's super tempting to short circuit my sanctification and my <laughs> growing and understanding Jesus simply because I just want to see this as a short-term season yeah. and get past it. And so I think this idea of abiding versus living in seasons will be really crucial for us in studying John. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, last week, Carrie, you introduced me to a book that I just got off Amazon. I haven't gotten to look at it much. But I would, I, I think it is so um, applicable to what we're doing this season. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, I, I think it's called Every Moment Holy? It is, yes. And I just would highly recommend this book. It's, you know, I, the other day, I had a friend of mine who was actually living in Japan recommend it, and I think sometimes when our burdens can feel so heavy, we just can't even come up with the energy or the words or the desire to really get into scripture, because it, there are times, there have been moments in the last even few weeks where I go, Oh, doing Bible study and prayer is like another thing for me to do. And then I realized, okay, I, I'm seeing, I'm viewing too many things in my world as just burdens. Yeah. And I'm Jesus like, gets on the to-do list instead of absolutely, the... Absolutely, yes. Oh, we get to sit down with a friend list. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, anyway, I was really um, very, very excited about this book because it, it kind of took my hand and said, okay, Carrie, let's, <laughs> right, let's, let's walk this together. So I'm just going to read one little piece of one of the liturgies. These are all liturgies that... For like everyday moments. For like everything. Prayers yeah. for times of the day that if you just like browse through the table of contents, who would have ever thought of writing a prayer for that? Yeah. Right? Can you yeah. just like tell us a couple? Because they're so this, they're yeah, so cool. This just makes me so happy. There's a liturgy for changing diapers, which feels like a very unholy moment most of the times. But he has one for changing diapers. There's a liturgy for those who sleep in tents, for the morning mm-hmm. of a yard sale, for before beginning a new book. Yeah, it's and so cool. So. One of the things I think we're going to try and do on this podcast is help us really to capture moments Mm -hmm. and make them holy. And so this is, I'll just read a little excerpt from here. 
And it just says, shows, I think, how simple writing liturgies and capturing moments can be. It doesn't have to be beautiful, flowery language. Yeah. It's really taking a 30-second pause to look around us and discover who the Lord is in that place or with that item or in that moment. Yeah. So this is what he said. This is a liturgy for the ritual of morning coffee. Love it. Yeah. So he says, from the discords of yesterday, resurrect my peace. From the discouragements of today, resurrect my hope. From the weariness of yesterday, resurrect my strength. From the doubts of yesterday, resurrect my faith. From the wounds of yesterday, resurrect my love. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great. Oh, if we prayed that every morning over coffee, yeah. what a difference just our outlook of the day would be. I totally agree. Yeah, I love that. Well, we're going to try to get to some of the um, requests that you guys talked about on that survey during the season. But for now, I know that one of the things all of us are carrying, maybe maybe we're carrying this as a burden and we need to just release it, mm -hmm. um, but is that we still aren't gathering in person. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, um, there's just there was such... Even for those of us who are introverts, I think when we actually get to be in the room with per people, there's something so connecting and re rejuvenating about that, you know? And so um, for absolutely good reasons, we're being incredibly cautious, and we need to be cautious. Um, but it's easy to look at the season and think, oh, man, I have to do church at home again. Yeah. I wish I could do real church. And I know, Carrie, that, and I've been wanting to ask you this question forever in a way that other people could hear the, hear the answer, but you were in China for 15 years, and you guys did home church, did. and that was real church. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't like just, oh, we'll do this for now, but what we really want is to be in a big building on the corner of the highway, and you know? Yeah. So can you just tell us, well, tell us about home church. Tell us how that was enough how that counted as church yeah yeah we so yeah we did house church the whole time we have five kids and so house church at various times looked different depending on how old our kids were but we typically would gather with maybe two other families maybe three other families or singles or whatever whoever was in the city at the time um it wasn't a great idea for us to consistently attend Chinese house churches for security reasons mm -hmm. to keep them safe. So we usually had our own house church services with other foreigners, Americans, Canadians, Australians, whoever, Koreans that, Got that were in the city. Yeah. And so... And you could have had toddlers or even babies at these at one absolutely. point. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I had... I mean, when we first went to China, I had one kid, and she was 15 months old. <laughs> and then our kids are only six and a half years apart. So there was a solid yeah. decade there that we had little ones. Yeah. And so we actually learned a lot from the Chinese house church because there are... There are public churches that meet in big buildings mm -hmm. that are run by the government, and then the rest are house churches. And so we typically would listen to a sermon or we on the computer, or a lot of times we would just open up the Bible and start in 
you know, Ephesians 1, and we would kind of march through Ephesians together through the course of several weeks. And the assumption was that everyone was participating. People were asking questions. At times, the doorbell rang, and the water delivery guy came in, and we just paused. Yeah. Um, our kids sometimes had to sit in color because they were two years old. And um, I remember one time we had a friend, her little daughter was two, and she spent most of the time putting stickers on the face of an older man who was about 60. <laughs> Every Sunday, she just put stickers on his face, oh and he just gosh. let her. Yeah. Um, and so... I think our understanding of what house church would look like is we have to adjust our expectations of the environment is a home as opposed to a church. Mm -hmm. So kids are going to be moving around. There's going to be snacks that are going to be out for other children. Um, we typically too would we would have our we would sing together whether on YouTube. Sometimes we just mm -hmm. pull up a song on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we would just sing you know, try to sing uh -huh. and just sing together. We would have lots of time to pray together because another beautiful thing about house church is you don't have to be in and out at a certain time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if we had a real issue that we were talking through scripturally, I mean, we would do two hours of church because we could. Wow, know? yeah. We could. And then we would eat together. We would have lunch together. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so it would usually be potluck or something real simple mm -hmm. or order out or something. Mm -hmm. And so there's a real sense, I think, when you do house church that these are my people. These are my, this is my family. This is my little family. Um, and so while meeting in a building is not bad. Right. There are some real advantages to house church. <laughs> you know, we were really nervous moving to America. Our kids are used to doing church with blankets and slippers on <laughs> and, um, you know, singing and being able to stop and start and raise your hand and ask questions. And right. so we, you know, had the opposite. We weren't sure how we were going to merge into a building church. But there's pros and cons to all of it. I think it really is a matter of how it is that we see it. Mm -hmm. the, for the Chinese underground house church, that's just church. Like, that's just what they do. Yeah. This is not a COVID thing. This is just <laughs> what you do. And in all honesty, this is what a lot of the world does. Because if you have any kind of persecuted people, they're not meeting in churches. Yeah. And Or there's just not the money in third world countries that don't have money for buildings. They're meeting under mango trees. Yeah. And they're meeting in rice fields. And I think it's easy for us to forget that because, you know, we can drive down any, you know, we can drive down Baseline or Southern and see signs. Many opportunities yeah. to go to church, so yeah. forget it, that the rest of the world is actually worshiping this way. Yeah. And it, it, it can be not, it cannot just be okay, it can be really good. Yeah. That's great. I love that. It can be really good. Yeah. So to give, give us just any off the top of your head tips for families yeah. if actually for two things for families mm -hmm. who are tuning in online to church on Sunday mm -hmm. and um, it's okay to be noisy yeah. um, like those kind of tips tips like give us just some environmental tips mm -hmm. and like how do we still get how do we still make it meaningful yeah um, and then I think actually there are some new kids stuff, kids mm -hmm. things coming out 
yeah. on our website for kids, which are great. Um, but then also, what about um, people who are watching church alone? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that... That's tough. That is tough. So, I don't know. Any, any thoughts about how can we incorporate some of those really beautiful things that you mm-hmm. experience at doing home church in China as normal mm-hmm. and not be... S- not be so burdened by what we don't have by going to church that whatever it is we're allowed to do during this time mm-hmm. still is meaningful and still yeah. points us to Jesus. Yeah, I think when I, uh, the first one I'll kind of talk to you is that if you have kids, especially little kids, mm-hmm. if they're really fourth grade or up, then they can usually sit through service especially if they have a little journal they can draw in and Mm -hmm. stuff during the sermon when our kids were really young there were several different things that we did one is we always had coloring pages and markers and crayons available yeah or stickers something that's quiet but they can still play with because the reality Mm -hmm. is a three-year-old is not going to sit through the sermon yeah i mean we you know people us in in public ministry or the pastors, we would like to believe everyone's fully engaged the whole time, <laughs> but the three-year-olds are just not. Yeah. So <laughs> is providing things for them that you know is going to keep them busy yeah. and putting, even having like a little area where they can sit and play. And there are times that we would assign maybe one of the adults to kind of be on kid patrol and just kind of run interference a little bit. There were times that we even used a bedroom for the, when we had little, little ones, mm-hmm. and one adult a week would go in and just play with the kids Got so that the adults could go yeah. and, and listen. Because I think one of the things that happens is that the moms end up being the ones that do mm-hmm. kid patrol during the church service, yeah. and it's very hard yeah. to engage. Plus, you want your kids to grow up thinking Sundays were fun. Absolutely. You, don't want, them to, you don't want it to be like, Oh, you guys are going to do church again, and it's so boring and for here us. We are again. Yeah. yeah. And so, even if they join you for the music and you bring out a little instrument for them and yeah. they beat the drum to the music, and then they go in maybe for the teaching part yeah. or something, we even at times would do put on a little Bible video, mm-hmm. you know, so they could have 20 yeah. minutes of that. And so, I think it's really thinking through if we had, you know, taking the mentality, if we had to do this. Forever, like this is just how we had to do church from now on. Mm-hmm. What would that look like? I think we would start being getting more creative with our structures. Mm-hmm. You know, we would start putting some things in place. And I yeah. just think we have to just go ahead and do that. Yeah, for sure. And it. shout out really quickly to Suzanne and the Redemption Kids team, yes. right? Because oh they gosh. have coloring pages every yeah. week downloadable. And yeah. Yeah, so use that. Right, but but I love the idea of how can I engage today, not like it's temporary, yeah. but like yeah. it's good for right now. Yes, it, it is temporary for us, but we don't know exactly when all Redemption Kids and all that's going to be open again. Yeah. So, in this time, how do we how do we abide in Jesus and not consider it a temporary season that we're just mm-hmm. trying to get out of? Yeah, and I think that is, I think that's the biggest part, is adjusting our expectations. Let's assume this is just what we're doing Mm -hmm. and go from there. And I think when you talked about, you know, maybe a single who was by themselves. Oh, yeah. 
one of the things I've appreciated, we haven't done it yet, but I know the redemption, the sermons now, you can listen to them, I guess, on Zoom and then go into breakout sessions. Yeah. And I love that because I think as a single, if you don't feel comfortable having people over, I know we've heard stories of right. some of the girls in our ID group do it. Together. Yeah. And I love that because mm-hmm. it's the same four or five people. Right. And But if you don't feel comfortable with that, is jumping onto some of those Zoom groups. Yeah. Or even finding someone else who, after the service is over, you each make a lunch and you sit and you have lunch together over Zoom and you talk about the sermon. Um, because it's great to be able to listen and engage online, but the community aspect is, I think it's crucial to making it house church as opposed to just, you know, house R- listening, of the, listening yeah. of the word, which is not bad, but in order to really make a church trying to figure out how to engage with a couple of other people, I think is really important. I know for me, if that were me, it'd be very easy to just start skipping the services altogether. Yeah. It's just me. Right. So thinking through how that would look, I think, as a single, um, is, is also crucial. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. I've been wanting to hear this story for so long. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really good. We just love house church, so it's, it can be really good. Yeah. Yeah, good. And cool. And you guys, it seems like you guys did great merging into re- Redemption Building well, Church. Uh, well, as long as people mm-hmm. aren't sitting around us, because sometimes mm-hmm. okay, we have to remind my kids, put your shoes back on. Or, <laughs> you know, like, stop, you can't just talk in the middle of the sermon yeah. or whatever. So we're getting there. Oh, maybe. good. We're good with that. We love that you're here. Uh, well, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. We're going to try to continue this type of conversation throughout the season. What does it look like to take ordinary moments and see them as holy? How do we consecrate the regular moments of life that, that can feel burdensome, um, but giving them to Jesus in a way that we meet him in very ordinary places? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, it'll be good. Well, I think that's probably about as much time as we have for today. But thank you, everyone, for joining us again at our podcast. We'll be back next time to gather around our podcast table to immerse ourselves in Scripture and to disciple one another towards Jesus. Mm-hmm.